0: We back, y'all! Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Squad Up, a podcast all about games, games of all kinds. I am your host, Eduardo, and joining me, making his triumphant return to the show all the way back from, I don't know, where were you? Like, Arizona? Texas. Oh, Texas! All the way back from Texas. Dumb old Texas. It's Peaches. Peaches, welcome back, man.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: You're welcome, 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 welcome. <laughs> I'm repair man, man, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to match how many times that you welcomed everybody to the show. <laughs> That's all. Four how times.
0: You, dude, how you been? Where have you been? What have you been doing? What has the life of Peaches been like these past couple of weeks that you haven't been on the show?
1: I have been on vacation uh, in dumb old Texas. Dumb old Texas Lazy is right. And, uh, it was awesome. I ate a lot of food. I accidentally cheated too much on my diet and then, uh, fell out of ketosis. Oh, snap. Yeah, I did. Um, I wasn't sure what was happening at first. I thought maybe I was just having stomach issues. Let's cut out all the middle part of that story. So nobody (laughs) has to hear the middle part. Uh, And when I realized that I wasn't in keto anymore, I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just eat whatever I want to eat. So, uh, I had Mexican food one day that changed my life. Uh, I had Cajun food; it was all fried. Uh, I had a morning that I ate four and a half donuts for breakfast. So I'm so happy for you. <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna mess up, you gotta mess up big. Absolutely. You know what I mean?
0: Now, have you like course corrected? Are you back on
1: the the keto train? I I don't think that I'm technically back in keto yet, but I am eating like I should have been. Okay,
0: so we're, we're headed the back We're headed back in the keto trend. For those of you that want to know, I'm also starting a diet right now, so I can get in my good shape for BlizzCon. I want to be in good BlizzCon shape, uh, and I want to stop being so much of a round shape and more of a
1: manly shape. <laughs> so to <laughs> say, you're a polygon no matter what. So <laughs> if you catch a, my
0: drift. Um, uh, <laughs> so we're going to just rush into it, because we're going to talk about what we've been playing. And you and I have been playing the same thing for days now. Um, since it came out, I've been playing it since even before you were, since when you were in Texas. Um, and it's a game that I didn't even know I was going to enjoy, and all of a sudden I've been enjoying it immensely. Talk to me about Octopath Traveler.
1: Oh, what do you want to know, man? Actually, you are further than me at this moment in time.
0: I am further than uh, you, which is why I want you to talk about it so I don't spoil anything for you.
1: Yeah, so I don't remember how much detail I got into the last time I was on the sh- when I was on the show. Um, But for those of you that didn't know Octopath Traveler uh, is out on the switch as of July 13th, it's a square Enix. uh, I would, I would actually call it more of a light RPG as in it's not, it's not as intense as like a Final Fantasy title, but it also has some strategy aspect to it, more so, I would say, than Final Fantasy does. I have never personally play- played Bravely Default, but people compare it to the, the break system that Bravely Default has. Um, but anyways, they released a demo for about a month before the game came out, and I went crazy on that demo, dude. I went so crazy on that demo. You get three hours of gameplay in the demo. I played it for three hours. When my three hours ran up, I restarted. You get a new fresh, just out of the oven, three hours. And I played the other characters, because there's eight characters that you meet in this story, hence Octopath Traveler. And they all meet up at some point, but you can pick whichever story you want to start with, and then you can go to whatever next story that you want to continue the game with. Uh, So currently, in the non-demo version of the game, I am on the third person's story. Uh, I started with Therion. Therion is the thief in Octopath Traveler. I started with him because uh, he's the only one that can open purple chests that you find on the world map. And I figured if I start with him, that I never have to remember a chest and go back and get it. Uh, so I started with him. And then I went directly to my favorite character in the game, Cyrus, who is like uh, basically the black mage of the game. But he also identifies weaknesses and enemies. So he's really helpful for just playing more strategically without having to work hard. And then uh, the character I'm currently on now is Tressa. Tressa is a merchant. She can buy items from people that you would normally have to steal from them. And she also randomly just finds money on the world map. So free money. Hey, I (laughs) I am honestly like if I wasn't dedicated to being a streamer slash podcaster slash content creator, I would be playing that right now. But I like doing this, too.
0: That game is. And, you know, coming from your background, it makes sense, right? You play Final Fantasy. You love these kinds of games for me. That's not my jam, right? I'm not like a, I'm not a Final Fantasy guy, even though I've, you know, starting to dabble a little bit. Um, I, these turn-based RPGs haven't necessarily always been my thing, but I was thinking about it today, and you know what I think it really is? I think it's because it's the first real handheld-focused game that has been made on the Switch. That game in all for all intents and purposes is meant to be played handheld right it is meant to be a handheld title and it still looks great on your tv but like the real the real handheld part of it and i remember playing handheld turn-based rpgs on my game boy and that's that's where i get that nostalgia exactly i remember playing pokemon and getting that and then that's where i'm getting that nostalgia hit of like oh man i remember this
1: you know, in a way, it's kind of like Pokemon because you have to go around and catch the different party members.
0: Correct. You have to catch instead of Pokemon, it's people, so it's technically a slavery game. But whatever, we will all getting into semantics here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's that that portability aspect that I think really. I mean, it's not that I can't play, you know, Mario Ga- or Mario Odyssey. Portably, I can, absolutely. But something about that 2D turn-based hold in your hand looks great because that game is beautiful, just stunning. They Um, call it,
1: like, uh, 2D HD. Right. Because it just has, like, HD elements, but it's a 2D-looking game. Like, the characters are flat, and, like, some of the background stuff is flat, but then the water texture is almost as good as it is in, like, Destiny. Right. It's it's insane. The game is insane.
0: It's actually made with Unreal Engine 4. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, same thing, like, Fortnite's made out of and a lot of these other games. And so, it's got a lot of heft behind it. And it's a fantastic game. I am not uh, that type of gamer, but I love it. I think... Um what really is interesting to me is the, the class system. It's not like your typical class. You know, you have an apothecary in there who you're like, why would you play an apothecary? But he's actually a really interesting character because he can make, you know, different remedies on the fly. You've got the merchant that's got all these cool abilities that she does on um, outside of the game being able to buy things from people. You have the thief who can just literally steal stuff from everyone. Um and then you've got your more classic characters. Um you also have the dancer who I think has the most interesting story, and it is very 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 hefty and you let me know we'll talk about it on the show when you get to her second chapter because i just finished it and yeah. it gets even more like hefty and like No it doesn't. Yes, yes it does. They it's... so in the first one they like are afraid to say certain things. They're not afraid to say them in the second the second chapter.
1: It just gets like more PG-17. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it
0: 17, but it's definitely okay. like PG-13esque. They're calling people what they actually are. Rather than a dancer, they're using other words. Um, Got you. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, definitely wow. let me know when you get in there. and We'll talk about it because it's, it's intense and it's great. And what I love about it is I can go from that, that really serious Primrose story and then I jump on over to Cyrus and his story is just so funny. And I just it's have silly, such yeah. a such a fun, silly time because he's such this like oblivious guy. And it's just like, hmm, what is the answer to this riddle? And he's just so like, he's still so, like comically Japanese. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. He's like a, you know, that classic Japanese hero that is sort of oblivious to everything that's happening in the world.
1: He reminds me of Phoenix Wright.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, He's an objector, absolute right? Absolutely. Um, and so, I, I really like the, the the characters in that game, and I think that really is its its strength. Not to mention, the battle system is really, really easy to get into, and I kind of dig that. I kind of sometimes when you're playing these. Uh, these turn-based strategy games, you can get kind of overwhelmed really easily because they go, all right, well, here's this system, this system, this system, this system, this system, figure them all out and figure out what the best way to go is. And that can sometimes be daunting. And this game, while it does have a lot of depth, it eases you into it a lot easier than other games.
1: I don't know if you accidentally said that and and you were pretty accurate about it because you hardly play RPGs, but like, I can say that I agree with you on that subject because I do this thing with RPGs that's super weird. And I don't know, yo, retweet if you do the same thing. (laughs) Because I got to know if there are other people like me. Okay, I'll play like 10 minutes of an RPG and I'll learn something in the 10th minute that I didn't do right in the third minute. And then I'll restart the whole game. And then I'll get a little further. I'll get like an hour in. And I'll learn something at an hour in that I did wrong 20 minutes in. And I'll restart the whole game. And I'll do this probably like five times before I commit to that save file. I don't know why I do that.
0: I don't know why you do it it
1: either. I want to know if other people do that. If you do that, please let me know. (laughs) Because I know that I'm weird, but I want to know if I have strength and numbers yeah, if you
0: think peaches is weird send us an email at podcast <laughs> at gmail.com
1: or do that um so
0: yeah uh, any other games you've been enjoying i know you have a list you said you had a nice long list of games that aren't octopath
1: yeah so i had uh i obviously had about three weeks since the last time i was on the show so I was on vacation. I didn't play a lot of games while on vacation because I was I was visiting a lot with uh, my favorite lady in the world, uh, and also Chelsea because Bonnie was there. <laughs> Got him. Bonnie is her dog. For all the fans out there that want to know, like
0: actual dog, not like her bro.
1: Yeah, not like her dog. <laughs> <laughs> like her her dog. <laughs> like her. <laughs> yeah. So so in that time, uh, I was there. I played some Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door. Which is, if you've never played Paper Mario, Thousand, Your Door, that's another RPG that can hook you because it doesn't play like a typical RPG. Have you played a Paper Mario game? I have. Oh, thank goodness. Did you like a Paper Mario game? I did,
0: I did. And I also played a lot of the the Game Boy, I think it was Game Boy Advance Marios, where it's the Mario and Luigi ones.
1: Oh, Um, Superstar Saga.
0: Sure, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And so it's in a very similar vein.
1: Yeah, so I got, I got Chelsea Paper Mario for her birthday last year, I believe it was. And uh, I had a day that I was visiting her that she had to go to class. So I, I was, she's like, I'm so sorry. I hope you find something to do. And I was like, come on. We both know I'm going to be playing Paper Mario. <laughs> so I played a lot of Paper Mario. We also played Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Uh, she has never played Subspace Emissary. So we played... You don't know what I'm talking about.
0: I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Okay, I'm retiring from the show.
0: (laughs) Please educate me. we played
1: Super Smash Bros. Brawl. We had a lot of fun. There's a story mode called Subspace Emissary. Oh,
0: I've never actually... I think I've played Brawl maybe once or twice. I think Brawl's the generation I skipped. I played Melee, I skipped Brawl, and then I went straight to the newest one that came out for Wii U and, and 3DS. Okay.
1: That's fair. It's, I mean, it's a really fun adventure mode. There's all these characters that were made just for um, Super Smash Bros. They, they're they kind of like heartless looking. They're not really heartless, but they kind of remind me of heartless. Sure. And you go through these different platforming levels as randomly specific characters. Like there's a level where you can choose to play as Captain Falcon or Olimar because they somehow interact with each other. And you just basically beat up all the the heartless guys and get to the end of the. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. I didn't yeah, think there's
0: no way you're taking Kyrie's heart. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs>
1: uh, so that's what I played in Texas. I also played a board game, Settlers of Catan. Chelsea and I taught my grandparents how to play Settlers of Catan. Uh, they were very confused for a long time, <laughs> but I'm very proud of them. They made it all the way through. Uh, you have to get 10 points in Settlers to win the game. My grandpa ended up with eight before Chelsea won, and my grandma ended up with seven, so they did pretty well. That's awesome. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they played card games a lot. Like, they are they are old people gamers, you know what I mean? They play cards, Cheers. like, every night, they play dice games, they play a version of Sorry that they bought from a woodworking shop, like, they, they, they're into stuff like that, so. Since
0: they like dice and cards so much, have you introduced them to Dungeon Dice Monsters?
1: I have not. No, I don't think they'd be into that.
0: <laughs> no, I I mean, it's so. got dice. It's got it's got cards. This what they're. It's, it sounds exactly like what they're
1: looking <laughs> for. I don't. I don't think they're into the RP <laughs> situation. You know. And then just real quick, I don't have to really talk about them, but we played some Overwatch before I left. I played some uh, Super Hark Bros, which is the Mario hack I'm currently working on. I got stuck on a level where like you hit a switch. And when you hit the switch, any ghosts that are in the room turn into galumbas. And if you hit the switch again, the galumbas turn back into ghosts. So it was like really janky and I was dying a lot. So I gave up and uh, I found a mobile game. Did I found you? a mobile game that requires no work. You just log in, you look at it and then you log out. It's great. <laughs> it's
0: my kind of mobile
1: game. <laughs> yeah, there's, no, there's no commitment. I just log in and I go... Hey, this game's still here, and then I log out.
0: (laughs) It's one of those offline games that just kind of persists while you're not on.
1: It's an idle an idle game, yep. There we
0: go, idle. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, So that's those
1: that's the compendium of three weeks of gaming, sort of gaming, that Peaches did.
0: Since you glanced over it, I'll talk a little bit more about Overwatch. Because I've been playing all week and I've been Sort of trying to spearhead this campaign of getting people to play Overwatch. So I remember the distinct time when I decided I didn't want to play Overwatch. When I was kind of like... A little frustrated with it. I was frustrated. I was ready to go away. And I, I could really hone in on what it was that I didn't like. And it was because I kept playing with random people that, you know, had different ideas of how they wanted to play the game. And so what I want from Overwatch now, and I think from every competitive game that I play, is I want to have people to play it with, right? I want to have a team that goes in there like-minded. And even if we're not, you know, 100% full team, we are most of the team that can kind of guide the way the game is going to go. Not just me trying to, you know, kind of find my way in there so um i've been campaigning literally i know i've been campaigning to get more people to play overwatch overwatch is doing a free weekend we're going to be playing games of it tonight if you want to play come join us we'll be playing gumby will be there i'm sure some other people that i'm gonna blackmail into being there will be there um, i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure i'm just sure they'll be there um and so
1: or you i'll know, release the pictures i this played my
0: firework. uh I played my placements earlier this week and I placed into high gold, played two games, and then I was in plat. I haven't, I reached a career high, like a high that I've never reached before in Overwatch, which is insane. Um, Wow. Yeah, I know. So Overwatch is going kind of well for me. I talked about this on the show last week, um, but, or the week before, I should say, with Gumby and, and Cody, but Overwatch to me, was that game that I was good at, right? So, I think of all the games that we've played, we can all say we're good at, like, a couple games. Like, I think you're really good at MOBAs because you've been playing them so long, and you're just always going to be, like, a step ahead of me at MOBAs, because you have a lot more patience than I do, and I have literally none. But Overwatch is the game for me because I don't have to have patience in Overwatch. I can run in there and just start shooting everybody, which sounds really bad now that I think about it, (laughs) in this, like, political climate that we're in. Right. Context clues. <laughs> but it's just it is just my game right like it's just the game that i think that i'm best at and so i really enjoy playing it and i just want to enjoy it with a bunch of friends of mine since you know it seems to be that game for
1: me you know i agree and i think you know it's, i'm not i'm not not a psychologist by any means but i think what happened was to really go back and dig in t- inside the timeline is you were a 99.9% of the time Roadhog player. It's true. You were playing Roadhog or you were not playing for the <laughs> most part. And when they nerfed his hook, I think that's when you were like, I'm out. Yeah, no, you're not you, wrong. You yeah. were like that popular Vine where the kid throws his backpack off and he jumps into the trash can. <laughs> you're like, fuck this shit, I'm out. Yeah, dude, that was me. And and you fell off there. But I also think that you've become, I'm not trying to get all weepy on here or anything, but I think you've become a little more self-aware of how you play video games. And I think that might have contributed to you placing a lot better this time around than you've placed when we were playing before. And the reason I say that is because we were playing a hell of a lot more before the Roadhog nerf. And we were not even close to that. And now you played basically for the first time in several months. And it was like riding a bike, but somehow you had like a stroke of genius while on the bike. (laughs) And I think that just comes with like the awareness of you. Like there was like a month ago where you said on one of the podcasts that you were like, the way that you play games is you just run in guns blazing and you have no patience and you just want to do that. But that self-awareness I think comes back to you sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And so you're not as often when we play Overwatch going, "Where's my team?" <laughs> because you know you know in more cases than you did before that you need to stay with your team. So, right, I absolutely. Think that's a good growth opportunity. Yeah, I've been trying to find that, the free therapy session.
0: No, I think you're right. I think I've been trying to find more things that I could be doing better than what other people could be doing better. But don't worry, folks. There's going to be plenty of Overwatch talk to come. But let's go ahead and jump in to see what's going on in the world of gaming.
1: Wah-ha! Waluigi
0: time. So No Man's Sky had their big next update. This big next update that they've been talking about for so long. We can remember No Man's Sky when it first came out. Neither Peaches or I played it. We haven't played this game. But we have heard about it. How it's sort of come out and it came out in this really, really trash state and it's coming out and it came out back again with this new next update. And it's being received really, really well. People are really, really liking this update. It's everything the game wanted to be and the game is seeing like some new life come out of this. So... This isn't the first game that's done this, right? We're starting to see... This is becoming a trend. This is the same thing with Rainbow Six Siege. This is the same thing with For Honor. These are the same things with these games that they've taken, and they've come out, and people have been like, this isn't what we want. And they go, okay, well, give us a couple months. We'll give you what we want. We'll give you what you want. And then people are turning around, and then they're coming back to the game and be like, wow, this is exactly what I was looking for. And so it's an interesting causality to see... What's what's going on with the video game landscape that the people's voices are, I think, more heard than ever before. Um, and so, what do you think about people and their and their ability to get their voices heard by developers, specifically with this game or with any game?
1: I think it honestly might be a culture thing. I don't want to go ahead and be like a stereotypical. Let me rewind. I don't want to. I don't want to start stereotypically lumping people into groups but I'm going to do it right now for a second sure. because I, I feel like a lot of the people, and I could be wrong about this, but it just seems like this might be true. It feels like a lot of the people that are creating games in 2018, 2017, whatever, are people like us who have been gamers for a long time and didn't, when they were younger and they were gaming, they didn't have that voice to tell developers hey, this level in Super Mario World blows. Like, can you do something about the Koopa that I keep running into? Like, no, I can't. I can't patch the game, A. Two, deal with it. And D, I don't even speak English. How are we talking?
0: Underscore peaches.
1: Right. So <laughs> so, so I think that we just have a lot of people making games that probably wanted that voice heard in the past, and, and they know, like, hey, we're going to have a good product. If We're going to have a better product if we can give people something that they want. like It's not so much about what I want my game to be like. It's about me creating a product that people are going to enjoy and keep buying into so that I continue to have a job, so that I can continue to build this legacy with my company. You know what I mean? Like Blizzard's obviously the prime example with their um, Warlords of Draenor update that was not well received. And then the next one was great. but you're right, it's happening all over the place. And I would, also, I would also bet that a good chunk of people in the gaming industry are probably in our same age group, too. So they probably just kind of have like-minded thoughts. Sure. About Absolutely. Those I mean, that's just, that's just an uneducated guy's random thoughts about how that is received. Oh, come
0: on. You are educated. <laughs> you're still paying for those student loans.
1: Yeah, um, Forever.
0: Forever? Forever.
1: Oh. Forever. Um,
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, No Man's Sky is just another example that the video game community, when they want to get their voice heard, they can be heard. I won't say that the video game community always uses its powers for good, but when it does, it works out well, like in this case. It worked out well, and I think the developer is, you know, getting on top of it, and I think it works well for developers. So, let me ask you, do you think things are going to start changing for developers in the future. So it's very clear that the last thing you want to do is piss off the video game community, right? Um, So if you're a developer, do you A, try to fix it from the beginning, put out the product the video game community wants, or B, put out a product that's less than good and then fix it later down the road because you know if you just fix it later, people will forgive you.
1: Um... I wouldn't imagine, okay, being somebody that works, whose job it is, is to create content for people to use. And that's as far as I'll get like into my specific job. But I I create content that people have to use to make decisions. And I can tell you right now, obviously, it's not a video game but if i'm making a product for like a client that wants to use that product i am not going to intentionally make a bad product like i'm going to make it the best that i can with the information i have and then as soon like the second i learn from that person that there's you know a b c thing that they want if i can implement that into the product i will try you know what i mean so I would I would expect that nobody is intentionally releasing games that are less than stellar so that they can you know, kind of benefit from that later because there's definitely a huge chunk of people that you're not going to be able to convince if you don't hook them the first time. You know what I mean? It's like a first impression. Like, if you don't wow me right away, it doesn't matter if you have this awesome update that everybody's playing. I might have... I just might be so stubborn about your game that i don't want to try it because i didn't like it the first time you know i would guess it's probably the former over the latter now they're just doing a better job listening i think
0: sure absolutely but do you think when it comes to monetization items that they're going to continue to listen let's take
1: as in take them away
0: Sure. Are they going to change their monetization practices? The video game community has said time and time again, they don't like certain monetization practices. And the more it happens, the more they outcry. Do you think they're going to stop doing that? Or do you think it's something that people can fix on the road? Like we're not seeing the same, oh, it's so much better coming from Battlefront 2. Battlefront 2 has removed all its pay to win aspects. It's a better game now than it ever was. People aren't saying the same things they were about Battlefront 2 that they are saying about No Man's Sky.
1: I mean, that's what I was going to use as an example. I mean even EA who was the butt of everybody's pay to play joke for months has kind of stepped back and looked at it and said no actually this is probably not a great idea we we approach this from the wrong angle but um, they still
0: made record numbers on battlefront 2 so it's tough well, it's tough from a from a business standpoint right because you you and I can see this and can see this regularly because we play video games we're gamers The people that are sitting in EA's executive boardroom and their shareholders' meetings are not video gamers. They're saying, hey, this made the most money. Let's go with the thing that continues to make the most money.
1: Listen, dude, you could go right now into the street and take a shit on the pavement. And anybody who worked on a Star Wars film could come up to that shit and slap the Star Wars logo on it and everybody would buy it. So it doesn't really matter how good or bad their game was. It said Star Wars on it. Who are you thanking for following you? Cog Whistle. Cog
0: Whistle. That's that boy. Thanks, Cog Whistle. There is a zombie Stop. there. I don't remember doing that.
1: All right, keep yeah, going. That's that's the default oh, uh, image. Yeah, you gotta work on that. No, but <laughs> but I I don't know. I think Star Wars is also a weird example, right? Because like I was just saying. People are gonna to flock to Star Wars no matter how bad it is. They'll complain about it a lot afterwards and during and before, but they're they're still gonna go see it and use it if it's a game, play it. You know? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So we'll see. So something,
1: something that doesn't have a name brand associated with it, with it right away, I think is gonna have a harder time doing stuff like that. You know?
0: Yeah, man. Moving on. To no, Not No Man's Sky. What am I talking about? We're talking about the Rewind. developers. <laughs> so there's a development company out there. It's got about 11 people. Um, it's got this uh, this little indie game that's coming out on the Switch here in a little bit. And it is. It's coming out on the Switch, actually. Just, uh, just a couple of uh-huh. days. Uh, Dead Cells. Um, and the developers of Dead Cells have this really interesting monetization strategy. Not monetization, but um, the way they pay their employees. Everyone gets paid equally. They have eleven developers on the staff. No one is in charge, and they're all equal, as far as pay, as far as input. Everyone is equal, um, and it's a really interesting thing, especially in today's you know hierarchy. And it, maybe it's a maybe it's a lot more of a social statement than we should probably be saying on the podcast. But <laughs> you know, it's really working for them, and they're doing they're doing great number wise.
1: I think. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that too. I was like, I don't know what line to walk on with this topic because right. it feels like it could get like really strangely political really quickly. Right. But I'll say this: the article that um, what was it, Kotaku. Yeah, Kotaku put out on this on the on these guys that did uh, Dead Cells. They it, it just seems like that's a thing that fits for them. You know what I mean? It feels like the way they conduct their business is you know when they need to make a decision in the game they have a meeting if too many people disagree in the meeting they take it to a vote and if the people you know obviously when you take things to a vote there's going to be sides that don't win and you know everybody kind of has that moment of defeat but also it feels like everybody has that moment of victory too and they all kind of work together and you know if they're having a really rough day or you know they're just not being productive they send them home early like it it feels more like a a studio that's taking care of their people and treating the people like people rather than, you know, bots that are programming all the time. You know, it. Sure. whether it's about the money or not, it just seems like it, they've created a really great environment for those people to work in. And I think that that being successful for them is awesome. And I, I kind of feel like my workplace, my very small section of my workplace is the same way. Not necessarily the, the uh, underlying framework, but at least my little group of three, um, and and that works for us. But the pay thing is very interesting, and I, I, you know, I think it's cool that the person who's technically in charge of all that doesn't really call himself the boss.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting to see from you know, I think we're going to start heading more in this direction, right? I think AAA titles going to continue to get the hate that they're going to get because people just, in today's day and age, people people hate the establishment, right? We're back at that age again where we hate everything the big, big companies are doing and we want to see these little guys succeed and it's really inspiring to see, um, To see these kind of little companies succeed like that and to see, you know, it makes you feel like, man, I can do that, right? I can start my own 11-person company and we could all of a sudden, you know, put out this game that sold 700,000 units in Dead Cells. A game that is critically acclaimed, people love, and they're continuing to, you know, to push out there and and, and provide this, this great product for people. So, you know, it's just an inspiring story. And I think everybody can, you know, kind of learn a little bit from that, that, you know, you can kind of all work together We are the world. We are the children.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Woo! You know what I liked about that, though? The article, more than anything, is when he was kind of... In the article, he was explaining why he felt that the equal pay at his studio policy was fair. And he said something... I'm not going to quote him, obviously. I'm not looking at the article right now. But he said something along the lines of, it's too hard and unfair to say that what you have contributed to the game is worth any more or less than what I have contributed to the game. Whether you're a programmer, or you're, you know, you're on the art side of things, or you're on the advertising side of the thing, you're still providing something you like you are so unique in this group of 11 people, that what you're doing is valuable. Like maybe what you're doing isn't what some people would consider difficult, but you're the one that can do it, not me. Sure. So if you weren't a piece of this puzzle, this game would not be formed. I'd be missing some corner piece of the puzzle or some middle piece of the puzzle. No matter how, what, what the piece looks like, I need that piece to have a complete picture. Right,
0: absolutely. You
1: know? So I think that that's just a really valuable lesson as far as working as a team and, and uh, you know valuing others' work. Hey, Bailey.
0: Yeah, it's great we get to see that specifically from the video game landscape because you know'm I'll, I'll uh, throw myself under the bus here, but I'm not a huge fan of video game communities a lot of the times and um, it's good to see the video game communities and video game you know developers people involved in video games do good things, right? We hear we talk so much about you know this person's so mad at this person and you know they're throwing you know things at this person because they're so upset and um, it's it's nice to hear something good happening in the video game world. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, know what man. hasn't been good? This season for the Florida Mayhem in the Overwatch League. Man, they have not had a good time. Uh, they're dressed like condiments.
1: What did you think was going to happen?
0: Hey, I don't know if you know, but they're debating changing their team colors. They like put up a poll to see like what people <laughs> like better as far as colors are concerned.
1: They better take care of those colors because they look really bad.
0: Right.
1: they are two <laughs> out there. Yo, Teddy's part of this podcast. Special guest, Teddy. (laughs) Teddy Roosevelt Sanchez.
0: So, Overwatch League finals are coming up. They're actually tomorrow, so the day after we record this, Overwatch League will have gone, um, and we'll get into the finals. We'll have our first Overwatch League champion of the first season. Um, I thought they were playing today. I thought it was tomorrow. Is it today? Am I wrong?
1: Uh... Let's see. Overwatch League inaugural season grand finals, Philadelphia Fusion versus London. Uh, they're back from a break in three minutes and 21 seconds. So it's literally happening right I think now? It's, I think it's happening right now. <laughs> I think we are asking people to, A, listen to us talk about Overwatch, and then, B, come to my stream and watch us amateurs play Overwatch. <laughs> On the day that they're having the very first season Overwatch finals. Yep, sounds about right. Yeah, we're ballsy. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs>
0: uh, it's interesting. Uh, Philadelphia Fusion versus the London Spitfire, two underdogs in the league. Um, you would have asked me a couple of months ago, it would have been Seoul Dynasty and LA Gladiators it would have been hands down the two that were going to go up there. Um, even the New York Excelsior probably would have made it up there, but... These two teams probably would not have been on my radar, and it's so interesting to see how they can do it. It gives me hope that the Florida mayhem can come back next season and, you know, do it for us in Florida, even though I don't live in Florida anymore, but I'm still a Florida man, but not in the, like, the bad way. You know, like, Florida man. You know,
1: you didn't didn't like chop up a body and scatter the parts.
0: Right. Florida man. Lee eats live alligator in front of his three children. You know, I didn't do it. I'm not I'm not not that kind of Florida man, but I'm a Florida man. I'm, you know, I'm a fan.
1: And so I I want to watch you do that.
0: It depends on how much money
1: (laughs) I kind of want to watch you try to eat a live alligator in front of children.
0: I'm sure that wouldn't go well for anyone, including the alligator. (laughs) Um.
1: Might be so, ticklish.
0: So, you know, psyched for Overwatch League. Have you caught any Overwatch League?
1: Man, I gotta. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna lay it on the table right now. I tried to watch Overwatch League when it first came out, and I, you know, I think the concept is really cool. As a gamer, I'm glad that gaming has been taken more seriously to the point that we are considering certain games that are competitive as esports. At the same time, I just have a really hard time watching Overwatch League. It's all over the place. It's kind of hard to follow. And it's and maybe that's just because I spectated a lot of League of Legends. Like League of Legends had competitive tournaments for years before Overwatch League did. And their spectate system is really easy to follow for the most part because, you know, League of Legends has that top-down view of the map. Even when people aren't all in the same place, you at least can see a few at a time when with the top-down. So it's like, I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. I like the idea of it. I think it's great. I think it should continue. Uh, but I, I only watched the first couple games, and then I just kind of fell off.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I have been in and out of Overwatch League games. I'll catch one here and there. The minute at the Florida Mayhem started losing, it was like, man, I'm already an Orlando Magic fan. I can't I can't be a part of every losing team, literally ever. Uh Orlando City's having a rough season. Orlando Magic have had a rough past decade. Uh and then Florida Mayhem. Didn't come off to the best start, but they improve towards the end of the season. I'm hopeful for the next season. And I just want, I think what will really draw people is, is that if they have something to kind of connect to. The fact that I love Florida makes me want to connect to that Florida team and makes me want to want to watch a little bit more when they're playing. I don't have a lot of investment in the Overwatch League Finals right now, but I'm excited for where this is going for video games as a whole.
1: You know, if they just took one of their colors, you know, the yellow or the red, and instead of the other one, their secondary color was just like a base, like a black or a white or a gray, or even like a brown or something, it may, it might be better. Right. That's just my suggestion.
0: I'm with you, man. And I'm gonna get to play this bumper because I haven't played it in a while. But today, we're talking all about Overwatch. For the My arrow finds its mark. I bring the mega depth. Cheers, love! We Maybe that was a little louder than I intended for it, but we're talking all about Overwatch today. What? <laughs> they want you to take the rolls. They want you to take the rolls. To the payload, please. There will be rolls on the payload if you please just stand on the goddamn payload. Oh. Okay. Um, we're talking about, about Overwatch. It. We're talking about the history of Overwatch, where it came from, where it's going, in honor of the finals that are happening today that I didn't realize. uh, (laughs) We're talking all about Overwatch. Um, Let's start from the beginning. Overwatch is it's a team-based multiplayer game, for those that don't know. It's a hero shooter, so you have a, a list of heroes to play, um, and then you have an objective that you have to reach. It's not you know, a team deathmatch-style shooter, even though that mode exists in the game, but it's not really one of the, the focused modes. Um, it's more about completing some sort of objective, holding a point, pushing some sort of payload, doing a combination of the two. Um, and it all came, which is really interesting, from this failed project from Blizzard. So you have Blizzard, Blizzard Entertainment, the storied company, and they have this long history of games that they've made that they've been successful with. And then you had this game, this little game, this little indie game, called World of Warcraft. And World of Warcraft was what? by and large. Right, World of Warcraft was by and large one of the biggest games to ever release. Probably ever. It is a game that is still going strong to this day. But if you're Blizzard, and smartly so, they started looking at World of Warcraft after a few years and going, well, what's next for us, right? What do we do after this? What do we come? What, what comes next? And what came next was this project they started working on called Titan. And Titan was this new multiplayer MMO online game that we honestly know very little about. People don't know too much about Titan other than it was on, in development for some, some years. And it is no longer uh, being thought about um, and it was cancelled and then the people in that team sat down and they said you know we have these ashes of this game called Titan what do we do with it and rather than just say let's go home let's pack it up boys they took that and made it into what I would say is one of the most successful shooters of our generation
1: Overwatch they rallied at the point Rally to me they rallied at the point. It's, it, I have a feeling that somebody has a shield generator.
0: <laughs> um, and, you know, we can already talk about the similarities between it and, and Team Fortress 2. It's definitely inspired by the Team Fortress series and that, that sort of hero shooter genre. And we can also talk about what it was like when Overwatch launched. You and I were both there when Overwatch launched. We were both following it. Um, we remember Overwatch came out Right alongside Battleborn. I don't know if you remember Battleborn. But Battleborn was that also hero shooter that came out right when Overwatch came out. And you don't know about it now because it's real dead. It is very, very dead. And it has been. It was made by the same creator that made the Borderlands series. So that was what they were working on. They were working on their own hero shooter. And it released. And Overwatch just ate its dinner. It just destroyed that game for all it was worth. It is and obviously the game isn't isn't being played anymore. No one's playing Battleborn anymore because Overwatch why do you look so so stunned?
1: Because I while you were talking about this, I was trying to remember what Battleborn looked like because I couldn't even think of what it looked like. And then I did a Google image search and recognized none of this. That is how much Overwatch shit on its dinner.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that game was hyped too. That game was very hyped before Overwatch. Before people got their hands on both of the games, that game was very hyped and people were looking forward to it. But man, Overwatch is just a better product. It was in the better time period. It was by the better, I think the better developer. And I think it was just a better game. I played both of them. I played the beta for Battleborn and then I played the beta for Overwatch. And that was another thing is the beta for Overwatch came out the same day as Battleborn. And why would you pay for Battleborn when you can just play the beta for Overwatch for free?
1: I have to interject with something. Yes. Um, I thought that this was in like thousands or hundred thousands or something, but I just looked at the Battleborn like um, average players in the last X amount of time. They averaged 30 players a day in the last 30 days.
0: 30 players. Isn't that insane, right? This game that took all of this funding that was made. I remember the Borderlands series is a big series, right? And this game did not do well. And that's in large part to Overwatch. Overwatch is this game that came out and just sort of took the world by storm. I don't know if you remember, but when Overwatch first came out, it was a phenomenon. People were crazy for it. I, myself included, I played it. Almost every day, I was so enthralled with it because it was something different. Right, you were in this. We were in this world where all we knew was Call of Duty and um, CS:GO, and you know these type of shooters that were very militaristic, and um, they all play very similarly. And Team Fortress had been around for a long time, but that game was starting to show a little bit of its, you know, a little bit of its of its age, and so this this game called Overwatch was just so refreshing to watch and to play because you weren't just shooting a guy. like You did have your Soldier 76s there, which is like every other shoot that you've played, but then you also had a giant ape with a lightning gun that jumps on you and puts down a globe shield, which is just so cool that I can say these words. And even to this day, when they release a hamster in a ball, literally a hamster that rolls around in a ball, And can tie a grapple hook and swing like a wrecking ball, and his name is literally Wrecking Ball, and it's fantastic.
1: He came in like a wrecking ball.
0: Yes. All he wanted was to break you off.
1: Whoa. Also he has machine guns on that thing. Which is also super cool.
0: Which is also super cool. And you'll see when we play tonight, he is he can be frustrating to play against sometimes, but I feel like all characters when they come out first, it's hard to. It's, they're frustrating to play against because you don't know how to play against them. Once we figure it out, we'll be fine. Um,
1: yeah, and they nerf him right.
0: So yeah. Overwatch comes out; it's this big phenomenon, and people have been playing it ever since. Now, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and joke and and lie to you and say Overwatch is the same popularity it was on the day it was released. Obviously, it's not. Um, people have obviously felt fatigue from it, myself included. Um, and people do that. You can, you're going to do that with every game, right? If you conver- if you submerge yourself in a game for too much, you're going to get fatigued from it. And so people are sort of a little fatigued. I think right now is the part where people might be coming back, but people have been fatigued for a little while. Um, but I still think the game is, is a powerhouse and not something to be scoffed at.
1: I almost feel like the Doomfist update lost some people. Like, not right away. But like Doomfist was hyped up for so long because of the people that were like looking into the code of the game and like kind of cracking the lore ahead of time. And then when he came out, it was like this sort of big reveal that everybody already knew was coming at some point. And I don't, th- I'm not saying people were let down by Doomfist, but I think after that hype buildup, they didn't really know what else to look forward to. That's kind of what it, it looks like to me. Um, but. It also really helps to have a team.
0: It really, really helps to have a team. And so Blizzard thought about that and they re- introduced the team finder, which I don't know if you've seen yet, but you can literally go in and say, hey, I want to play this position on a team that's looking to play this mode and you'll be matched up with a bunch of other like-minded people. Um, I haven't
1: tried it, but if it works like uh, looking for group does and WoW, I'm sure it's fine.
0: Right. And so it's going to be in a similar vein. Sure, it works in a similar vein. Um, and so it's got that... Overwatch, I think of any developer, of any developers out there, I think the Overwatch uh, team specifically, does the best job of communicating with its players, listening to its players, and responding to the feedback of its players. Every time there's any update, you got, you know, hi, I'm Jeff from the Overwatch team, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and so there's... Right, and he's always there. Daddy Jeff's always there, you know, trying to tell people, you know, what's going on, what's going on with the game. Um, I don't know if you saw the Hammond video where he talked about Hammond. No. Well, he was like, what was he saying? He said something about Hammond, and then he was like, but we wouldn't do that because a hamster flying around would be just ridiculous, or something like that. Oh, no, that was hamsters talking. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. a hamster wouldn't talk because that would be ridiculous. (laughs) Because he doesn't actually talk. He talks through the robot. He squeaks. He squeaks, Um, yeah. But I think his robot voice is weird. But I think that's part of it. I think other companies have learned from Blizzard and specifically Overwatch on how to speak to their community.
1: Yeah, they really do do a good job. I said doo doo just now. (laughs) Got him. Yeah. Yeah. And even when they, even when whatever they've done is received poorly, they do a good job of, you know, coming out and owning up to it or coming out and explaining to their player base, you know, this is why we're doing this. I'm sorry if you don't like this, if it's really bad, we'll take it out later, but we want to try this and see if it works sort of thing, you know? Right. Um, and you know, another thing I think overwatch does well is they do occasionally add other modes to the game. They have rotating game modes that you can go in and they're different each week. Um, so if you're just kind of bored doing the same quick play or competitive all the time, you can go in and play random heroes or you can go in and play three versus three instead of six versus six. Or you can play that total mayhem version where everybody's cooldowns are turned off and everybody has a shitload of health and no one ever dies. <laughs>
0: so we've talked that about all the fun. we've talked about all the good things about Overwatch, but let's talk about it from the verse. So we're trying to be objective as possible, even though I'm a giant blizzard fanboy. What do you think Overwatch could improve on? What do you think something that's something that Overwatch could be doing better right now?
1: Ooh, I was not prepared for this question.
0: I'm aware, which is why I asked it. What can they
1: do better? Um, so one thing I'll say, and this this, uh, this is going to sound like I'm whining or not good, but I legitimately think that this could improve. Um, but maybe they don't do it this way because it's a, mon- it's a mon- monetization opportunity. So the arcade mode is the mode I was just talking about that has the rotating modes each week for people not in the Overwatch know. Um, every week um you can win you can win as many games of arcade as you want but you get loot boxes for every three games that you win up to nine games so every week you can get three free loot boxes as long as you win some mode of arcade nine times before the week is up um my favorite game mode in overwatch is random heroes Uh, You start off as... You don't get to pick. You start off as a random hero. When you die, you respawn as a different... Possibly the same random hero. So it's completely random. It's a nut house. You can get a really great team. You can get a really crappy team. But you never really feel that bad when you lose because you can look at the team comp and go, well, of course we were going to lose. You know what I mean? But the point I'm trying to make is... Sometimes it is very hard to get arcade wins. In quick play, when you play... And really in any mode when you play, when you win, you get experience and you level up from that. And when you level up, you get a loot box. But I could play arcade mode for 10 hours straight. And if I don't win any of those games, then I don't get any of those three loot boxes. So I think maybe there should be a system where it's like, since there's nine notches on that, you know, progress bar, maybe if you win a game, you go up to the next notch right? If I win my first game, I need two more to get the loot box. And then if I play, maybe if I play like five more games and I don't win any of them, I get to go up to the next notch. So at least I'm spending time playing your game. Uh, You know, being a a member of your gaming community, maybe I can kind of get rewarded that way instead of having to rely on whatever game mode that I get generated that week and I have to win nine of them.
0: Right. No, I'm other than
1: that, I think uh, I'll let you go because I don't. I'd have to keep thinking.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think one of the things they could be doing better is their monetization. I think of anyone that does loot boxes, Overwatch does it the best. I don't. I still don't think loot boxes are like a great thing, but I think of anybody that does it, Overwatch does it the best. Um, I think you've gotten more than your money's worth if you paid sixty dollars for this game. Um, so I think it's fair for them to be putting out more cosmetics to continue to have the game continue running. Um, but one thing I do think, so I was playing um, my placements to, for, for, the, for the competitive season. And in, I think, the third or fourth game, about two minutes in, a guy just leaves. And um, Rude. if you are in competitive and somebody leaves, and if they leave for long enough... You get a message saying you can leave the game now. You won't get penalized for losing, but you're still going to take a loss. And that felt real bad, which I understand it from the other side of it as well, because if there wasn't a consequence, you would just leave every game. Right. Sure.
1: And Um, the other team would get a free win.
0: Right, which like that's a choice you're making. Right, Um, and not just that, but like, say somebody wasn't playing to to the way that you wanted to, you could theoretically just bash them into quitting, and then you'd have a free ticket out. Yeah, Um, which I think is what they're scared of. But it's still, I, I feel like there has to be some sort of middle ground here to make it not feel so bad when you're on a team with someone who dipped
1: out. I like that it doesn't affect your MMR or anything. It does affect your MMR. Oh, well, then why do they say there's no penalty for leaving?
0: There's no lever's penalty. You don't get penalized as a lever, but you still take the loss.
1: Oh, that's that's kind of a bummer.
0: Right, which is where I had the bummer. Now, I still placed higher than most times I've ever placed, but it was still a bummer.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wonder what the loss in um, MMR is compared to what it would have been had you just outright lost the game.
0: Right. I mean, and that I don't know because I was playing my placements, so maybe it wasn't. Yeah. And Overwatch does a really good job of it being performance-based, so if you did really well and your team didn't do so well, you're going to lose less than, you know, and you do gain more when you win than you do when you lose. So, um, if you are consistently, you know, getting that 55-60% win weight, did I say win no. rate? The win weight! <laughs> the win <wait>. weight! Win <laughs> rate! Um, the legend of Overwatch, win waker! <laughs> Uh, You will steadily climb. You just got to put in the time for it. Um, And so, you know, it's not perfect, but just a couple things Overwatch can be doing to the future. All right. Another question you weren't prepared for. What does the future of Overwatch look like? What are the what are the new heroes that they're working on? What does the future of this game look like? Where does Overwatch take its next step? Because we saw the biggest leak that they had was in the Overwatch League, but now they got to turn around now that the Overwatch League has got its, you know, its wheels moving, they gotta turn around and look back at the game and say, all right, what are we doing in the game next to move it forward?
1: So part of that part of that scares me because I have thought about this before and I kind of compared it in my head to League of Legends. And League of Legends is doing fine, like Riot's doing fine, um, but I, c- I kind of feel overwhelmed by League at this point because there are just so many champions in it that, it, like, learning the game and understanding it just takes a lot. Like, I am not incapable of doing it. I could go back and play League if I wanted to. I just don't want to take the time to learn seven thousand things before I can play one game. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of scared that in the future Overwatch could get I mean, they, they release characters at a very slow pace compared to other other games like this. But it, there's definitely potential in the future that they could just have such a high character pool, such a large character pool rather, that you know, 25% of them are never being picked. And that might be the case right now, and I just don't know it because we've taken our, our little break from Overwatch, but that's, that's my fear for games like this, is that there are going to be characters that are neglected. There are going to be characters that are clearly OP. You're going to see them in every single game because they're the hot shit right now. Um, and it can get out of control. And I just don't want it to get out of control for Overwatch. I want everybody to... And obviously, it's not always perfectly balanced. But I, I feel like the more characters you add, the harder you have to work to balance. And if anyone can do it, Blizzard can do it but it's still kind of scary to think about, especially if you're like a programmer at Blizzard. That's a lot for you to think about.
0: Well, and it's it's so interesting to think about um, Overwatch characters. So you have a MOBA, a character in a MOBA I think is so much harder... Because not so much harder, but it has a lot more going on, right? So it's got four skills and an ultimate and all these different things. Some of the Overwatch characters have up to that much, but really it's about minute details that can really shift the Overwatch skills out of balance, right? Um, and so it's difficult to sort of balance that when you have such little, so many little skills to work with. You got health, you have you know armor, you have their small list of abilities, and you have their damage that's on them, and that's about. As much as you have to work with besides, you know, cooldowns. Um, and so working on that can, can sometimes be a challenge. Um, sure. So if you were going to make, and I'll let you think about this. I'll talk about mine first, and I'll let you think about this. If you were going to make an Overwatch character, what would it be like? So I already in my mind have the character that I want to see. And I want to see some sort of polearm type Overwatch character that attacks with this polearm can throw his pole arm and then can use his pole arm as like a um as like a like a pole vault to as like a
1: movement ability. To like get over obstacles or to get over
0: obstacles. Um they can use it as a form of like dodging CC so maybe they become invulnerable when they use that ability. They like go up on the on the pole and then come back down or move forward.
1: So like Fizz
0: I would say in a similar vein to Fizz, so rather than a Trident, you could do a Trident. I think a Trident would be super cool. Um, but something in no, that I just, general I was vein, just
1: thinking of his ability, his like his dodge in the air.
0: Sure, yeah. yeah. In, a, in a very similar way. Even if you wanted to do that same splashdown afterwards, if you time it correctly, I think that'd be cool. Um, I think some sort of pull I think what Overwatch does really well is as a first-person shooter, you have all these really cool melee characters, and I want to see a little bit more of that.
1: Sure. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I know. This is a tough question
1: i don't have a great answer for this because like any archetype that i've liked from other similar games kind of already exists for me um like in bioshock 2 there was a um there was a a nail gun weapon which i would kind of like to see in overwatch there's not really anything like the nail gun it was kind of like uh
0: you know what? I'm a, I'm going to be real honest on the podcast right now and this is going to make yeah. me sound real dumb. Like real dumb, but I just figured out why Rosie's named Rosie.
1: Yeah, cuz she's a riveter.
0: Correct. She has a rivet gun. She's Rosie the Riveter and I like that clicked in my head maybe like a couple weeks ago and I was like, "Oh my god. Rosie the Riveter."
1: A <laughs> B C D Eduardo everyone. <laughs> Continue. No, so, so there's like a nail gun, which is kind of like a weird machine gun that's focused in one small little place. And it like was very powerful, but it ran out of ammo after like one HP worth a person. So you could pretty much 100 to zero somebody really quickly. And then you had to reload and the thing took a long time to reload. So if you were ever in the room with more than one person, you were pretty much dead. So I don't know. I, I'd almost like to see somebody in Overwatch who's more of a glass cannon type character where like you have to play a little more sneaky with them. You have to make choices more carefully. If you lock on to somebody, you can like quickly zero to 100, 100 to zero them. Uh, but if you're caught in the fray, you're pretty much boned. And there are characters like that. Like Tracer is very low health, Sure, it's in there, but she doesn't, she requires a large amount of skill because you have to be able to aim her shots really well or you're ineffective. Yep. Or you play Tracer in the I'm-just-going-to-annoy-everybody way. And, Which is a fair way is, to play her. That's how you play Tracer, but if you can aim well with her, you can play that version of Tracer who's also a killing machine. Right. Um, I don't know. I've never thought about this. I've always been pretty content with who's in Overwatch. Maybe somebody like Vigar from going right back to League of Legends that can like trap you in a spot, and while you're in that spot, he can like deal really heavy damage to you in a delayed fashion. So he has to trap you to effectively do the damage.
0: Is that not just May's ultimate?
1: Um, it is, but no, it wouldn't be an ultimate. <laughs> Hey man, I don't you know. I know. know. I have I a bad answer now. for that. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. Roundhouse <laughs> kicks everything. <laughs>
0: um. All right. Well, I think that's uh, that's gonna do it for this episode of Squad Up. Chuck Norris is gonna roundhouse kick everything and kick us out of here. But before we go. Uh... Peaches, let the folks know where they can find you now that you're back and back into the swing of things.
1: Yo, back from vacation. We're coming, we're going to come back and stream this weekend. I'll probably stream every day. And I just said that on Twitch live so that somebody can hold me to it somewhere. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I'm back. Twitch.tv slash peaches, P E A C H 3 Z. Come check us out. We're going to play Overwatch on that channel after we wrap this up. After we get some water and some beer and we recruit some squad, Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram D underscore peaches. I put a lot of video content on Instagram. I'm still really bad at Twitter update. Still really awful. If you want to give me free Twitter lessons, I would greatly appreciate that because I suck at Twitter. Um, And other than that, it, it feels good to be back. Thanks for listening. And uh I will talk at you people next time. Come hang out in the stream.
0: You can find me over at twitch.tv slash avcd Eduardo. Um for those of you that are already here, thank you. For those that are listening, come on over. We do uh we do a, a live show, it's a lot of fun. You get to hear a little bit more than uh than just the recording. You get to see a little bit more of the magic as it happens. Um, email the show, please, at uh, squaduppodcast at gmail.com. Find the show at squaduppodcast uh, on Twitter. You can find it at facebook.com slash Um And for me, for Peaches, for the whole squad, for the family, good luck. Have fun. Uh, I think there's a show here Bye, everybody.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh.